and welcome to the latest Farm Files episode of FP Next. I'm one of your co-host Sarah McNaughton and I'm here with Kurt Arns. Hi Sarah, glad to be with you today. I'm here from a late February, very balmy day in Nebraska. How's things up in Bismarck? You know, it's almost a little scarily nice up here, Kurt. We've got temperatures into the 40s and the 50s looking out my office window. We've got green grass outside a little bit in my yard right now. We've been team roping outside. We're very, very excited with the weather, but we're always waiting for that other shoe to drop and maybe we'll have another late late spring snowstorm like we've seemed to have as a pattern the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's just like spring. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, we had a ton of snow on the ground. So it all disappeared, went in the ground, I think kind of helped our soil moisture a little bit. But it's a little weird. I think folks around here call it a false spring because it lulls you into thinking it's going to be nice. And then it really, you know, the other shoe drops and we get winter back again. So but, you know, we'll enjoy every day. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, and it is February, so I'm really excited for our topic today because I kind of it kind of fits the month, right? Yeah, it definitely does. So today we're covering everything and anything, farm and ag, marriage and relationships, just in time for February. And so starting off, I just read an interesting article that kind of gave the idea for this episode from Business Insider that said, agriculture workers marry others with the same job 27% of the time and farmers and ranchers do that. 20% of the time. And so it kind of talks about whether this is due to, you know, lifestyle compatibility or who is even all around and living in rural communities. I think that's a pretty interesting statistic. And Kurt, do you feel that's pretty accurate based on your experiences? Yeah, I, I don't have the stats to back it up like like you have from that article, but that's probably about right. I mean, in my case, you know, many of the farmer's daughters I had dated didn't really want to live on a farm in their married lives. They just weren't interested in that life. I guess they thought it was too hard. And that's why I had to find a city girl who actually wanted to live on a farm, you know, for my spouse. So it's kind of funny the way that works out. My wife actually, she grew up out just outside of Omaha in Papillion in Nebraska. And uh, <laughs> when she was young, she was very young. They had a family trip up into Canada and when they were returning, for those of you who know a little geography across the Dakotas into Nebraska, they drove down uh, south on U.S. Highway 81, right through our closest big town, which is Yankton, South Dakota. They crossed the old Meridian Bridge at, Mer at the Missouri River there and came within about four miles of my hometown of Crofton as they were heading back to Omaha. So we didn't even know each other. She was very young at that time. But when they drove across the river, Donna made the comment to her folks how pretty it was around northeast Nebraska. And she told her mother, I'd like to live on a farm around here someday. And so that's really a coincidence. And uh, yeah. you know, it was a lot of years later we met each other and she ended up marrying me. I'm a farmer from Crofton. So, and she gets to see that beautiful old river near Yankton all the time now. She really just manifested that into happening. She decided she wanted I, it and went for it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, you and your wife, Donna, have been married for 25 years or over 25 years? Going on 26 in May. 26. Perfect. And so a big part of this episode today is going to be getting your best advice for younger couples who are either newly married or in long-term relationships in agriculture, like a lot of millennials end up doing is kind of like the, the millennial marriage where you're married on paper and have properties together, but not actually married. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know for Cole and myself, we're getting the, married this November here in Bismarck. And while it feels like we've been together forever, in actuality, it's only been about four years. What do you think your top piece of advice would be for weathering the ups and downs and staying together all those years? Boy, I, 
you know, I'm hard pressed to give advice, but, you know, I can tell you what I've learned, I guess I can share that much. I mean, <laughs> my first, first bit of advice would be everything you see on TV romances and, and movies, forget about it. It's not real life. <laughs> um, you know, and the, the trick, the trick for us and both of us, my wife and I would both say this is you have to love each other, even when you're not that lovable. And uh, when when I got married, I was pretty set in my ways, as my dad would say. Um, I had to learn to check my ego at the door because it wasn't about me anymore. And I realized pretty fast that I was a very imperfect person and I still am. And my wife isn't perfect either. And, you know, sometimes I'm a real, real pain. And understanding that and accepting it helps us, you know, accept our spouses and their imperfections. So I'm not perfect. So how in the world can I expect my wife to be perfect all the time? You know, so that that's that was the big lesson that we had. We both had to learn, but I, I probably more than she did. And, you know, there's days, like I said, that I'm just not that lovable, putting aside, you know, what we might be feeling and understanding that really that uh, lifelong love is a decision. It's a daily decision to love that person no matter what. And, you know, no matter what means no matter what. That means, you know, check out the vows, understanding all that that helps us out on bad days and also on the good days. There's an old story. I love this one that the old man and the old woman who had been married for 50 years. So every day the man would toast his toast bread for breakfast for his wife. So every day he toasted the crust or the heel of the bread loaf, like we would call it. And he gave that to her. Well, she hated the heel. She hated the crust. And finally, on their 50th wedding anniversary, she decided, OK, I'm going to tell him off and let him know after all these years that, you know, what I really think about this. And so she said, you know, why in the world have you been toasting the heel of the bread loaf, the crust, all these years? And uh, she said, I hate, I hate the crust. And her husband responded, and I love this. He said, I didn't know you hated the crust of the bread. The reason I've been toasting the crust for you all these years is because that's my favorite piece. And I wanted you to have oh. it. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I love you know, it. Yeah. No fireworks, no explosions, but that's just kind of the real life side of it. You know, it's kind of a little bit more about sacrifice than anything else. So <laughs> right. I, I really like, I love that story. Uh, so Cole and I met actually when we were both in grad school at NDSU. He was finishing um, pharmacy school and I was working on my master's degree. And then of course, COVID happened during that time. And so we were quarantined together for a while in my little studio apartment and he was finishing <laughs> pharmacy school and I was working remote doing extension during the day and finishing grad school classes at night. And so even now still, we always are spending all of our time together unless we're working or someone's on a trip or something like that. But one generational difference I notice between my parents have been married 35 years. They only dated six months before they got engaged and got married in their very early 20s. Cole and I didn't even meet until we were both 23 and we'll be nearly 30 by the time we get married this fall. How did you and your wife meet? And like, how long did you date before you got married? Were you guys on that younger side of getting married? Um, like kind of like my parents were of the early 20s? No, no, not at all. Uh, and we, we dated only five months before we got engaged. So I was 34 when we got married and my wife is eight years younger than me. And she will remind you until the end of the day that she is eight years younger than me. 
but <laughs> I, I, I know. So she makes sure that everybody knows that. Um, I had a lot of, you know, long-term relationships over the years and they, they just weren't meant to be, you know, I thought they were at the time, but you know, good Lord had other plans. So the joke for us is that I had to wait for her to grow up because oh my gosh. You know, so, and, but we met kind of on a blind date. It was a mutual friend invited us both to supper and, you know, I kind of knew he was trying to set us up. So I was afraid mm-hmm. to even look at Donna that night, you know, cause <laughs> I would have caught a lot of razzing. And then a couple of days later, she called me and she says, are you ever going to ask me out? I said, well, it was harvest time. So I was busy combining, you know, and I, I said, I'll mm-hmm. get around to it. Well, finally, you know, a few days later, I parked the combine. We went out to a movie and then five months later, we were engaged. And I think uh, we waited a year and a half to get married because mm-hmm. she had just signed her teaching contract. Um for another year right after we got engaged. So she wanted to fill that out and she was living about 70 miles from, from Crofton. And so I made a lot of trips down the road that 18 months, you know, and planning a wedding and, and all that. But, uh, you know, we had a beautiful wedding in her home, you know, where she was teaching. Um, and then eventually she found a job, you know, closer to Crofton after we were married. But, uh, yeah, I was, a really short dating period before we got engaged and then it was longer you know between the engagement was really long but i figured mm-hmm. i wasn't getting any younger so i wasn't going to let her get away yeah <laughs> so yeah she likes to tell people when you know you just know so no don't mess yeah. with her. absolutely <laughs> ahead and- i love that she called you up too she's like i know i've seen that farmland yeah. over there this is how it's going to happen <laughs> for me <laughs> <laughs> well and i think um i'm kind of an introvert at heart and so it was, you know, the whole thing was kind of difficult for me because I just knew I would caught a lot, catch a lot of flack from my friends who were trying to set us up. And then when we got married, you know, they were in our wedding party and patting themselves on the back the whole time, you know, saying, "Hey, yeah, we kind of facilitated this to happen. And so, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll they made the wedding happen. Yeah, I guess. More <laughs> or less, so. <laughs> so then I know I came up with some rapid fire questions. Um, we were talking about playing out this episode. You said you didn't want to hear all the questions beforehand. So you kind of mm-hmm. think on your feet, have some genuine answers ready. You still feeling I'll try. good about that decision. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this one might be similar for a lot of people out there, but literally the only time Cole and I will ever have a little bit of a heated discussion um, or it could be considered an argument is when animals are involved. And so whether that's, we're trying to sort steers and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people around, there's a lot of frustration is maybe even some yelling or if he is doing something I wouldn't do with the horses maybe he's feeding them different um or worse of all when we are both working the stripping shoot together at a team roping and it's the afternoon it's hot no one's having a good time I think what everyone always says is that I've heard you're never supposed to take anything to heart when working cattle and so what's something you found helpful with conflict resolution and maybe forgiving each other after saying some things you may or may not have meant uh during the heat of the moment yeah don't work cattle together no that's <laughs> a lot of couples do that so <laughs> yeah. and and donna and i sorted hogs together before we got married so i figured you know if we can handle that it went pretty well Oof. so we were good to go i figured yeah for us i mean the only time we really get on each other's nerves is when we're both tired and i think you know for farming that meant harvest and planting time and and sometimes during calving there's just no sleep and then when our kids were really young you know you're up up with sick kids and doing household or farm chores to try and keep up and and she was working full-time and i was farming and and working part-time jobs too so 
you know, that's just one of those things. And when we're both tired, we just know now after all these years, not to take anything that's said to heart, you just, you know, cool off and walk away. And I mean, Donna has, she has a quick fuse, so she gets her frustrations out right away. No filters. So you just kind of have to understand that I have a long fuse, but that means it kind of festers more. So when I'm, when I'm upset, you know, she can usually tell without even talking to me she just knows um now after these all these years so most of the time you know the the things that are upsetting to us really don't have anything to do with each other it's just like you say livestock or something else that's going wrong and you just happen to kind of be in the way so i think kind of understanding how you handle frustrations differently and how you know sometimes you just need some space to kind of cool off and then and then you can come back together and talk about it. But yeah, the number one rule is just, you know, don't, don't sort, sort livestock together when you're tired. That's the way it is for us anyway. <laughs> I think that's the only time we end up sorting livestock is when we're both tired. It's usually loading up <laughs> right. steers after a roping, trying of to course. sort them before a roping. <clears throat> and then mm-hmm. those afternoons when it's just nice and chill, the cows work perfectly. The steers go exactly where you need them to be. And it's perfect. So I think maybe it right. is just get more sleep. Or maybe it's just the livestock. Who knows? But it could be both. It could be both. (laughs) (laughs) And so finances are, of course, a leading concern in any relationship. And I found a study from Couple Family Psychology Journal from 2014, where participants cited financial problems as a major contributor to their divorce, with 36% of those couples in the study saying at least one of them had the issues and another saying that 55% of those couples, one partner had the issues. So... 36%, both of them had the issues, 55%, one of them had the issues. And those were contributors to divorce and adding increased stress and tension within the relationship and just driving a wedge that at the time felt insurmountable from those participants. So, and farm marriages, of course, feel tensions and financial stress way higher than the average relationship. What's been a way you have found to manage and minimize outside stressors like this? You know, number one, you can't, you can't always minimize the stressors you can change how you deal with the stressors probably. Um, so when we were married, Donna thought farmers had money. She didn't know. Um, she didn't know anything about farm debt, farm finances and how things went. And, uh, so when we went through our marriage preparation with our parish priest, that was one of the things he told us we needed to talk more about because he knew about farmers and he's like, you know, you need to really hash this out because it's an important thing. And, you know, then after we were married, she figured out that, you know, farm debt and how that all worked and cash flows and, you know, what it meant to tighten our belts during rough times. Mm -hmm. And especially in our early married years, you know, when our kids were young, we had really very rough financial times. I mean, during drought years, there were years when the hog prices were just horrible. And, uh, you know, when our children were small, we just things were pretty lean at times and that was tough but sometimes you know the lean times kind of can bring you together and i have to credit my wife that even though she didn't grow up you know in that kind of situation she really did adapt to it very well so you know now we kind of i mean and we kind of started this way in the beginning was if there's any big purchases whether it's for the farm or the household you know, we talk about it and figure it out together. And, you know, if we can't afford it, we can't afford it. And that just makes things go easier. So in those lean times, you know, we had to work together to make ends meet. There was just no choice. And uh, we we got some really good advice from our priest back then. And one other thing he said was, don't worry so much about planning your wedding day. 
because that's not the important part. Worry about planning your marriage. And I thought that was really great advice. The wedding day can be beautiful. It's the wedding day. But, you know, in if you look at it, it's really just the beginning because the marriage is what's the important part. And finances is kind of, you know, part of that discussion. So in the middle of planning our wedding, I think I've heard it's the start of something, not just the one day, probably more times mm-hmm. than I could count from everybody. So yep. I think that's a really important, important thing to remember. And I know when I was talking to my friends, because I was quizzing my marriage, my married friends, and one of the things they mentioned that caused a lot of frustrations in relationships is sometimes the caretaker who's often the wife or the mother does a lot of hidden tasks and takes on a lot of the mental load to ensure the household is functioning, you know. And then maybe, meanwhile, the breadwinner of the family feels like their hard work isn't really noticed either. Like I know Cole works a lot of long hours at the pharmacy. He is not a farmer or a rancher. He's a pharmacist. And so he doesn't get to be his home as much as he likes. And I know in either case, how do you make sure that your partner feels appreciated for their different roles at work and at home? This is a really good question. And I think um, one of our colleagues, Holly Spangler, who is editor of Prairie Farmer in Illinois, um, she farms with her husband, John, and their family. And she wrote a column this fall. It was during harvest. And it it was, uh, Dear Farm Wife, I See You. And in it, she kind of described a scene that, you know, could have been any farming couple out in the field during harvest. She and her husband were having a disagreement. They were tired. Last raw nerve, I think she wrote. And she didn't even recall what the argument was about. But she went on to describe kind of a loneliness of many farm spouses while the other spouse is out in the field doing their thing. So, and, you know, talked about ways of overcoming that feeling. And one of the things that she talked about was, you know, visiting with other farm spouses as kind of a way to, you know, overcome some of that that loneliness and feeling like, you know, you're the one that's keeping the house together during harvest. So one of the things that I've tried to do, especially when I was farming, was, you know, to cook meals, do some cleaning around the house, put the kids to bed, share some of those duties in the house as much as I could. Um, My wife works full time, so she's tired at night, too. And, you know, so we try to really work together as much as we can. And sometimes, you know, one of the spouses is going to have to kick in more than, than another, depending on you know, work or farm, but then when things lighten up, then maybe you can take each other out to supper or share some duties as time allows. Give and take, my dad used to say, give and take. So especially Absolutely. when we, you know, when we had children, it was really important for us to have time to ourselves. And maybe that just meant going out to eat without the kids so we could talk about things we need to discuss outside of the earshot of those little ears. And sometimes it just meant doing chores together, feeding calves or something like that. Um, But it's important that you really need that time, at least we do. And for many farm families, you know, it might mean lunch together out in the combine during harvest or like Uh, For my parents, it was always checking cattle in the pasture in the evenings. That was kind of their time to catch up and communicate without my brother and I always around. So um, as a couple, you just you really need that, I think. Absolutely. I know we're always like we don't have any of the kids. We got the dogs and the horses. And so we'll always make sure we like maybe go on like a ditch ride together on the horses or something just to get that like time away from work. And as long as the horses aren't feeling a little fresh, it usually goes well and is enjoyable. So, right. And then I know something Cole and I always keep present in our mind is that we're on the same page. And I know we both had to remember this this last summer. Cole, it just got kicked 
in the knee by a steer trying to sort it off. And then I had shut the wrong gate at the wrong time. And so mixed up the pens steers. And we always have to take a second river to lead with love. And this concept, I actually first heard from somebody I found on Twitter, which is High Heels and Canola Fields and Do More Ag founder and Canadian farmer, Leslie Ray Kelly. And she says that one of her first strategies when she hits the doorway to come home is to take a deep breath and remind herself to lead with love with her spouse and with her family. How do you leave the chaos from your day or any personal frustrations that happen there at your home office out of your relationships? But it's tough, but uh, I really, I really like that lead with love. That that's one way to say it. Others might say keeping it kind, keep communicating. I think that's really the important part. Just keep talking. You know, if you need some space, don't be afraid to let your spouse know that. And for my wife, uh, she might need space for a couple of days sometimes if things just really aren't going well, you know, but you're, it's like, well, um, if you need me, I'm here. And you know what, you just got to let me know. Um, Love is yeah. patient. Love is kind. I think that's what First Corinthians says. So that's, I don't know, that's pretty good mm-hmm. advice. You know, lead with love. I like that. Well, Kurt, as we're wrapping up today's Farm File episode, I want to thank you so much for letting me grill you about all things marriage advice related. I will absolutely be making Cole listening to this episode, even though he should be listening to them all. Um, so he can hear about all of this from the source and not just me repeating it back to him. Well, uh, I have had a little bit of experience, but that doesn't mean uh, my experience is perfect either. So anyway, but uh, <laughs> we we want to thank our listeners uh, for listening in to this episode of, F- of FP Next and allowing us into your tractor cab, your truck, on your farm and in your fields. A special thank you goes out to our digital production and marketing team members who put in a lot of work for us. Be sure to follow Farm Progress on social media to stay up to date with ag news and more. And check out the digital edition of your regional publications at farmprogress.com. Tune into our next episode of FP Next for our deep dive episode to hear some insight from Matthew Cruz, who is a columnist for Farm Futures and also someone who farms in both Iowa and Brazil. So he should have a really cool perspective to share. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from Matthew about his experiences and his insights into the Brazilian crop market and how that impacts all of us over here. Also, I think people should be excited to hear about a very special announcement in our next episode. Oh my gosh, you know, Kurt, I am the worst at keeping secrets and we've been keeping this secret for a few months. So we're super excited to finally share it this next episode. So be sure to come back. And also remember to follow along with FP Next by listening and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform or at Farm Progress Online. And be sure to leave us a review if you enjoy the show. But remember, we only accept five stars. Absolutely. If it's agriculture, your friends at Farm Progress have you covered. Here's wishing you high yields and good weather. We'll see you next time.